This is Liz Scafidi at UN News. As the war in Ukraine grinds on, the work of UN investigators has continued with the harrowing task of gathering testimonies and evidence of potential war crimes. To date, the deaths of more than 3,300 civilians have been painstakingly confirmed by the UN Human Rights Monitoring Mission in Ukraine, which readily admits that the actual number will likely be many thousands more. In an interview with UN News, the head of the mission, Matilda Bogner, gives an overview of the investigation's progress since the Russian invasion of Ukraine on 24 February. Well, we just visited areas to the north of Kiev uh, where there were very severe violations taking place. We documented a range of violations. Some of this is already known, unlawful killings, including summary executions. We documented conflict-related sexual violence. This has been very difficult to document. Many people are not willing to speak. There's a lot of stigma around it, and certainly nobody should be pushed to speak. But it's also important for us to understand that these types of violations are taking place so that we can try to prevent future violations as well as uh, to try to have accountability for the violations. We also documented cases of civilians being taken, usually men, by Russian forces to Belarus and then into Russia and where they are now being held in pretrial detention centres. This was something new for us that we had not been aware of before going on this trip. And this new information that you have on these men being taken to Belarus and Russia, you say you got this because you were on the ground and able to talk to victims of violence. What did they tell you? Well, we, at first we were hearing rumours that this was the case, that Russian forces had taken a large group of men. How uh, many are we talking about? We were told around 70 or 100 it, it, different people gave us different figures. But we were able to document a handful of such cases. So we really don't know the scale, but we do know that there are such cases. Without wishing to repeat the horrors that these people have lived, maybe you could just give me one example, maybe the one that really stuck out for you, that, that may be used later in evidence for accountability. Yes, there was one example that really did stick out for me. Uh, we were going to different houses, just talking to people along the areas where we knew that there had been summary executions. So we knocked on the gate of one house and an elderly man came out. He explained that he and a number of other men had remained in the area to look after their houses after their wives and children had evacuated. And one day Russian forces came. They asked these men to come out onto the street. They looked through their telephones and they identified one individual who had something of concern to them in the telephone. They then took that individual into the forest 100 metres away and, and the man we spoke to heard shots. They understood that he had been executed. They asked the Russian forces if they could bury the body. They said, you can bury him in the evening. So they went back in the evening and they buried their neighbour. So this was just one example of many that we heard of summary executions. And where was this? This was in Butcher. This was in Butcher. Okay, so I was going to ask you about whether you've seen these events mirrored across Ukraine. We have seen similar cases, unlawful killings, summary executions in, in areas uh, to the north of Kiev, uh, as well as in areas around Chernigiv, again north of, of Kiev. Uh, we have not documented it across the country, it's been specifically in these areas. 
you have around 50 or so, 55 officers working for the Ukraine human rights probe um, in, in the country. What's your access like, given that you have been there since 2014? You must have some sort of contact with the uh, Russian-affiliated forces in the East. Yes, we have an office in Donetsk, so we continue to work there. And we have strong networks across the country because we've been working there for years. And that allows us to access information even when we don't have physical access to certain areas. Mariupol, what's the latest from there? Well, we used to have an office in, in Mariupol. We, uh, we were lucky that we were able to evacuate all of our staff. But again, we have strong networks. We know people there. And we have been following the situation since the beginning. The situation is quickly changing. And we will need to look into it further to see how people are living under the Russian occupation there now. But for the time being, you have no access to Mariupol after the evacuations of those from the steelworks on the coast. We have not been able to physically access Mariupol, no. Let's talk about what you found so far in terms of violations that may have been committed by Ukrainian forces, because that's something that we don't hear too much about. What details do you have on that score, please? We are very concerned about the treatment of prisoners of war. We have received information that there has been torture and ill treatment. There are even allegations of summary executions of prisoners of war. I know that the Ukrainian authorities have opened an investigation into some of these allegations. So we very much call on the Ukrainian authorities to do a prompt and thorough, effective investigation into those allegations. There are also allegations on the Russian side that they've similarly mistreated and tortured Ukrainian prisoners of war. So Russia also needs to investigate. And once you have this information, you're going to be presenting some of it to the Human Rights Council. There's a special session happening here in Geneva on Thursday. Then there's going to be a regular session in July where the Commission of Inquiry may make a presentation equally. Following that, what is the accountability process? How far are you expecting this to go? Well, we're currently preparing a report that we will release in June and that will then be discussed at the Interactive Dialogue in the Human Rights Council in July. Our job is to really monitor and to document. We put down in black and white what we have found and then others take that further to look for accountability. But we also clearly talk to governments. We encourage accountability to be taken forward. We met, for example, last week with the General Prosecutor's Office in Ukraine and they have opened a number of criminal cases. So we are in dialogue and are encouraging all forms of accountability from national to international mechanisms. Do you compile lists of names? We have a database in which we keep all of the information related to what we have documented, yes. And in terms of technology for the investigation, we've seen the satellite imagery of the destruction that's been caused inside Ukraine. But in terms of your own investigations, what capacity do you have to use, I don't know, algorithms to figure out where missiles may have been sent from and landed? We have been using satellite imagery to look at damage and destruction of buildings and so on. We don't have full expertise to do the level of technical work that you're referring to. And last question to you. I don't think I've really asked you yet. I don't think we have an idea about the total number of civilian casualties and the UN Rights Office has said that it can't quantify and confirm the actual number of casualties. Can you give us a ballpark figure please? 
Well, we have released our civilian casualty figures. These are fully documented cases where each individual case we've looked at and found on the balance of probabilities, this is a civilian casualty. We have been looking at estimates. We certainly do estimate that in Mariupol, which is the area where we have least information and we believe they have the highest number of casualties, that there have been thousands of deaths. But for now, I can't say more than that.